Today, we talk about aliens. This show is for everyone working at the coalface. Digital. Business. Marketing. Social. This is At The Coalface with your host, Jason Greenwood. Hello everyone, I'm Jason Greenwood. Welcome to episode 23 of At The Coalface. Today I wanna talk about your relationship with your web developers and how to improve the relationship or get the best out of the relationship that you have with your web developers. And if you've ever worked on a web project before, whether it be because you've hired a development agency or a developer to work with you, or whether it be that you work for an agency or you work in the space and you've needed to hire developers to work directly for you on projects or whether you've hired freelancers, whatever the case may be, uh, many of you out there will have had experience working with web developers or maybe you're looking to embark on your first experience of working with web developers and want to get the best uh, out of that relationship because it will make or break or can make or break uh, your web project. So obviously having the best relationship possible and managing that well uh, will benefit you um, throughout the life of the project and any project that you do thereafter. So uh, one of the first things that I would say about web developers is um, is that they are, are aliens in some respects. Um, I, in fact, I had a developer tell me that and use that term for other developers that they're not like your your normal average human being. They are like aliens, um, and that probably alludes a little bit to um, the kind of typical personality that you bump into uh, in web developer land, uh, as well as kind of the way that they behave and the way that they interact with each other and the way that they interact with non-developers. So uh, the way I like to think of developers is, is much like a chef. Um, chefs are cooks. Uh, if you've ever worked with in a restaurant or you know anything about chefs, they they really have their own way of doing things. They've got their own personality. They've got very much their own drive, uh, their own motivations, and certainly um, they can be prima donnas in some respects uh, because they know that they're so critical um, to the business and to the restaurant that um, that basically if they walk out, uh, everybody's in trouble. And so and so they tend to throw their weight around a little bit. And, and I suppose to a degree, web developers are the same. They know that they're absolutely critical to the to the. Um, project um, and uh, or, or ongoing work, whatever the case may be, and uh, and as as a result of that, sometimes they can be challenging in their own way to deal with, just like we all can. Um, so what I want to do is I want to maximize your opportunity for success, or help you maximize your opportunity for success of working with developers, help you sort of understand um, how they think and, and how they operate. Um, <clears throat> one of the first things is that. Um, they um, very much respect each other um, and and they if they respect you um, certainly they'll perform better and I guess that's true of any employee or any any person that you work with in any way on any project um, certainly if they respect you um, be, typically because you respected them first or shown them respect first and appreciation first um, then you'll have a better working relationship with them and that's true of developers as well um, the, the one of the key differences with developers however is the fact that um, oftentimes they're not customer facing so they'll be interfacing with project managers, they'll be interfacing with bosses, uh, maybe some development uh, management team leaders, etc. Um, but they often will not be interfacing directly with the customer. And as a result of that, they're kind of at, at arm's length. 
um, and so um, they don't always understand some developers do but it but it is a rarity some developers don't understand there's a real disconnect between the work that they're doing and the impact both on the end customer who has to use that website um, that mobile app whatever the case may be whatever project they're working on so the end, end consumer as well as the customer who's paying for that web development project they oftentimes don't have a lot to do with them either and as a result of that they kind of uh, they work in a bubble a little bit and they're somewhat isolated uh, and because they live in this uh, in this bubble that is somewhat isolated uh, from from non-developers um, they they sometimes don't they're not in touch with I guess the ramifications of, of what they're doing um, and that can lead to some negative consequences um, maybe their attention to detail sometimes is very high but then sometimes it's it, it's not they're subject to to the daily life just like we are um, but it's just the ramifications of what they do oftentimes have can have dramatic impacts on the front-end experience for the for the customer um, and for the for the end customer that actually use what they've developed um, so one of the things is that they're, they're typically very intelligent uh, developers you know developing is hard uh, writing code whether it be back-end code and logic whether it be front-end code whether it be uh, system administration um, whether it be DevOps whatever um, sort of level of developer um, oftentimes people will, will lump all developers into into one bucket and, and they're not they definitely have differentiation they definitely have um, skill sets um, front-end developers tend to specialize in HTML um, CSS uh, JavaScript back-end developers tend to um, focus on PHP or other um, other um, functional code um, that goes on in the background and logic in the back end um, whether it be Java or one of the other you know Ruby or whatever the, uh, whatever other back-end language logic language that they're using um, and as a result of that, um, they're, they're very intelligent. They're, they're specialized. They do. They undertake a lot of training to, to get um, where they are. If they're, you know, if they're working out in the industry, um, then they typically have a few uh, years of experience under their belt. Um, they aren't always paid fantastically well, but certainly it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a recognized and a respected profession. So. I think it's important, first of all, that you respect your developers because they, as I said, they will make or break your project. Um, going beyond that, um, oftentimes um, developers will be put under tremendous pressure in terms uh, of time. So they'll be given extremely tight deadlines for doing a piece of work or finishing a project or finishing a phase of a project. And as a result of that, they're working under tremendous pressure. And I think it's it's worthy uh, for everybody to, to, to understand that when anyone is working under pressure, but especially developers, uh, mistakes can creep in, um, the pressure builds up, and, and therefore their interactions with other people can be can be a bit strained as a result because they're often asked to do the, the uh, what seems like the unachievable um, and, and people think they can just conjure things up and it's not there's a there's a big thought process that goes along with um, both specking the project initially and then as well as delivering it and working within project management systems so that so that's the first thing is, is respect the developer um, understand that they, they work under tremendous tight deadlines and as a result of that sometimes they don't have the chance to do the even the the, the peer-reviewed QA quality assurance on the code that they would like to do because they have to move on to the next thing um, so unless the developers that you're working with or the agency that you're working with or if they are on your internal team unless you have a quality assurance team that's dedicated to testing end results of whatever is developed um, then then you you can run into difficulties and you can run into challenges 
Now, also, um, having come from the agency side, uh, I realized that a lot of clients, they don't want to pay for a tremendous amount of quality assurance time. And quality assurance is purely testing both functional UI, uh, which is user interface and UX, user experience, um, testing. There's, there's all different ways to test. There's automated testing, there's manual testing, uh, and then there's, there's uh, test methodologies that will help um, um, speed the testing process along. And so uh, testing is an industry in its own right. And if you don't have testers on board um, and you are expecting your developers to test their own code and test their own functionality, but you don't give them time to do it, then you're gonna, you're gonna run into trouble. And, and developers typically aren't testers either. So, so they don't have a particular interest in testing. They don't have a particular interest um, uh, you know, in, in trying every little facet of their code, whether it be front end or back end on all the different devices that need to be tested on. So you know, to get the best value out of your developers and and their experience and your interaction with them um, it's worth paying that bit extra um, for a testing resource a dedicated testing resource whether that be paying for one in the agency that you that you're working with or if they're working in-house to, to definitely establish a test team or at least a single individual to, to run your testing for you um, if you're the customer and you're hiring an agency to do your development work um, then you know d definitely be willing to to pay for that QA time because it will pay you dividends in the end if the agency you're working with doesn't have a dedicated QA team or doesn't have a dedicated QA resource quality assurance resource to check the code both to check the code quality as well as the functionality and the, the front end uh, result of that code, um, then it, just expect that you you know things are going to slip through the cracks. It's not going to be as tested as thoroughly as you would like, and that moves on to that sort of next phase of of getting the best out of your developers. So, if if there is no testing going on or very little limited testing, maybe the, only the project manager uh, on the agency that you're working with is doing a little bit of testing before they release a piece of work to you to then test further into the quote unquote UAT phase, which is user acceptance testing. So Typically, um, the, the development lifecycle goes through through the three main phases, which is the which is the development phase, the QA phase, and then the UAT phase, um, and then obviously rinse and repeat. Uh, obviously, if there are issues found uh, in the code or in the functionality, then that gets sent back to the developers to be fixed, and then it goes through hopefully a QA cycle, and then it goes through a UAT cycle with you as as the customer um, doing the doing the testing, whether the, whether that's an in-house resource or or once again if you're working with an agency. So uh, if if it gets to UAT and it gets to you and you don't have a dedicated resource in-house and so you, you're trying to be as efficient with your testing time as possible but you know you need to do some testing, I want to give you some guidance on how to best do some testing on that work that's been developed before you send it back to the developer. So, what you don't want to do is you don't want to either not test at all and so you're just kind of trusting that the developers have done good work and everybody makes mistakes so the reality is uh, mistakes will slip through no matter how fastidious a developer is or no matter how professional a developer is mistakes can slip through and you just have to prepare yourself for that reality especially in large projects it's just impossible that things are made with perfection um, um, and so what I would suggest is as as you go about that UAT phase so that user acceptance testing typically um, work packages are released to you throughout the life cycle of a project or if a project is already live and you're doing um, enhancements or upgrades or fixes then um, certain work packages or bundles will be released to you in a cyclical fashion for you then to test before you authorize the developers to push that code to live and expose it to the end customer via your website or, or, um, or mobile application so um, when you're in the UAT phase, 
um, it, it's best to develop a test regime or a test framework. And what you'll want to do, the, fir the first step that you'll want to take is you'll want to dig into your Google Analytics and you'll want to, or whatever analytics package you're using, and you're going to want to look at the devices that are used across your website because you definitely want to make sure that you're testing on the real world devices that your customers are using to access your website. So you're going to typically test on your desktop, you're going to typically uh, test uh, Chrome, Firefox and, and Internet Explorer um, and then you, when it comes to mobile devices because there's so many different break points uh, in response of web design now um, sites reorientate themselves and um, scale themselves and, and re uh, the layouts change depending on the device, depending on the resolution of that device, depending on the screen footprint of that device. They'll reorientate themselves res what's called responsively um, to accommodate those devices unless they've got a dedicated mobile website or a dedicated uh, web app and, and, then, and only very old websites typically aren't responsive nowadays. And as a result of that, the number of devices that you need to test on, the number of screen sizes you need to test on has exploded. and so that's definitely brought some extra challenges to the testing process. Um, so the first thing you want to do, like I said, is to, to jump into your analytics package, look at what's being used on your website. Basically, uh, you know, as a, I don't want to make a blanket recommendation because there are, you know, there's different rules that apply to different verticals and different businesses of how thorough you want your testing to be and across how many devices. But as a rule of thumb, if a device uh, is is uh, accounts for a 10% or more of your traffic, you're probably going to want to include that particular device in your testing. Um, anything below about 10% is it's just it get, you can you can obviously test you know um, all the rats and mice devices um, that are generating one, two, three percent of your traffic, but there's a diminishing return on your investment of testing below about that 10% mark. Um, some businesses will set the threshold as high as 20%, um, uh, but but I would say that basically you know anywhere between 10 and 20% uh, if your traffic is coming from a device, you probably want to test on it. Now, once again, the once you've done that and you've identified the devices that you want to test on, and you've made a bit of a table of, of those tests, then you're going to want to um, um, probably use a testing tool that will help ease your testing. If you're doing all manual testing, you're still going to want a tool. Um, there's a tool called Browser Stack, and I'll put the link uh, underneath this video to to the website for Browser Stack. And what Browser Stack is is it's a a web browser based testing tool that allows you to uh, test all sorts of different devices and resolutions and orientations, whether it be portrait or landscape on mobile devices, allows you to test them all within the browser in a, in a device environment, a virtual device environment. So uh, Browser Stack allows you to easily, quickly, seamlessly switch between devices all in the one browser and you get to see and experience what that device um, would experience if you were testing it in real life on that device and holding it in your hand, etc. So that can certainly ease the process of, of, um, of testing. And so you'll want to go through and you'll want to test all of those devices. Um, you know, most businesses will have anywhere from 15 to 20 um, test environments that they'll need to test um, the front end experience of, of the new, newly developed code, new, newly developed functionality on. And you'll want to test it uh, across all of those devices. So go through the workflow, go through all the pieces of new functionality or enhanced or fixed functionality um, and uh, test them on all those devices systematically one by one. 
it, it's fantastic to create a checklist. You can create a Google, shared Google Doc or something like that, and you can share it with your internal team. Uh, and then you can create a table with all the devices and then a tick list for staging and production. So what you'll want to do is you'll want to just go down the tick list. Yes, 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 yes. We've tested on all these devices, this piece of functionality. Um, and then once you have tested and you hand that back to your developers to push that code live into a production environment, then you'll want to run that same series of tests again because um, there can be um, version control challenges, there can be problems um, that sneak through in that version control, whatever version control system, the code version control system that your developers are using, sometimes um, all that code that you've tested in your staging or development environment um, doesn't get pushed seamlessly through to the live production environment or there can be some unique conflicts in the production environment that you didn't anticipate. And so you always have to test again once that code is actually deployed to live. And once again, just go through that tick list. So by taking that responsibility and that onus on yourself as the business owner um, or as your web team manager or whatever role you play, if you've got a responsibility for making sure that the code that is ultimately deployed on your website or your mobile app works the way that you expect it to work, if, you, if you're responsible for that in any way, whether you're an e-commerce manager or whatever, um, then you definitely want to put a testing framework into place. Uh, I'll also tell you and make a couple of other recommendations. Um, you'll probably want to make uh, any major code change, any any significant user interface change uh, that is pushed live. You'll the day that that gets pushed live, you'll want to annotate that in Google Analytics. So all analytics packages have an annotation system that ties a specific note to a specific date. So that, so that if anything happens in that user experience that is negative um, or, or positive, either way, um, you can track that back to a specific deployment. And so that way, if there is an issue, then you you can tie that back to a specific date and a specific um, code deployment. So hopefully you can get that resolved very quickly if there is an issue that arises. So that's you're going to want to do that. And then you're going to want to notify your internal team as well. So, so once code is deployed, once it's tested, once it's annotated in Google Analytics, you're going to want to send an email. You're going to want to have some method um, of notifying your internal team that this new piece of functionality or fixed piece of functionality is live and what it is and what was changed, um, just so that everybody's kept in so you're probably going to want to let your customer service team know. You're going to probably want to let your IT team know. You want to let your marketing team know. You're going to want to let uh, whoever um, has anything to do basically with your web experience or your mobile application experience um, and is going to be impacted by that experience. Then you're going to want to let them know so that they are very, very aware of what's happening within the business. So this will generate a large amount of respect with your developers and will show you show your developers that you respect them. Um, if you do find issues with their code, uh, in the staging environment or production for that matter. Um, definitely be respectful when you go back and you, you let them know through their ticketing system or however it is that you know, whether it be email, however it is that you let developers know that something um, either hasn't been done correctly or whether you want something new done to that in the form of a change request or something else, then by all means be respectful of them, be respectful of the power that they wield in, um, in allowing you to craft the kind of experiences, the customer journeys that you're trying to craft. So uh, be respectful um, and, and understand that they, that they do work under a tremendous amount of pressure. So hopefully this has been useful to you. Um, I've worked with developers for you know over 15 years now. I've hired a lot of them both internally as well as through um, agencies that I've worked with. Um, you know, brought them on, brought agencies on board. I've worked with, with developers from many different countries. I've worked with developers from India. I've worked with developers from China. I've worked with developers from Vietnam. I've worked with developers from New Zealand. I've worked with developers from Russia. So I've worked with developers from all over the 
the world and and they all you know they all have their own unique ways of working um, but certainly if you if you expose them to the project early if you get their feedback early if you get them heavily involved in the specking and scoping process so they've got some buy-in there um, and then you respect what they do um, you respect that the fact that they oftentimes don't have a lot of customer facing experience and so therefore um, they sometimes have challenges communicating um, with you as the customer or with your customers in the agency environment um, so you know they're not always the, the best communicators verbally um, and so you know they, they interface with code they interface with computer they don't often interface with people so be sensitive to that um, you know stick your project managers stick your account managers stick other people uh, as the interface that can translate what the developers are saying and what you are saying or what your customers are saying um, it's it's always best to have an interface someone standing in the middle standing in the gap between those two that can translate the language of, of all those parties and be that go-between it just makes the the process much smoother it makes it much easier uh, it makes it easier for them and it makes it easier for you so um, hopefully those things are, are going to help you maximize the output and the experience you have with your developers and uh, yeah if you've got any questions feel free to let me know and I'll, I'll do my best um, to help you and point you in the right direction.